chapter number 3. When you get there, say amen. amen. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a mature man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look at the ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Let's pray. Eternal Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us relationships. You have given us of each other that we might grow together, flourish together, love together, struggle together, endure together. Father, we thank you for the gift of one another. And Father, we thank you because we are all made in your image. And Father, we who are here this morning as your people have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And we have a very unique relationship that's going to last throughout all eternity. And Father God, we want to express that same love that you express to the disciples when you walked the earth. And the love that you express to us even today that we will be a conduit and allow that same love to flow through us that we might touch one another in significant and powerful ways. And so, Father, I feel totally inadequate. I need your power. The Holy Ghost has to come and empower me and open the eyes of the hearts of the people that we might receive and hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. 
We need your Holy Spirit. Will you come, please, and have your way today, we pray. And all God's people said amen. Amen. You may be seated in his presence. How many of you know that communication is the key to any healthy relationship and obviously any church? I've been privileged all of these years to serve in various capacities. And, and I understand, as a man of God, that relationships are not always easy. How do we know that relationships are very complex? We're complex individuals. We think differently. We approach things differently. We are wired differently. And yet God has somehow called us to come together as a people, and he says that we are to be one. Kind of the idea, the same idea as it relates to marriage. You know, I love my wife and I often say this, and she knows it, that I love her dearly. And I remember that the preacher told us when we first got married, he said uh, uh, that the ring was symbolic of a continuous relationship. And he looked at me and her, and he said, it better not ever end. And what he was conveying was the idea that relationships are a challenge. If you've been married for any length of time, you know that. Amen? We don't say that in a negative way. It's just a challenge. As we are embarking upon trying to win souls to Jesus and we're trying to reach out and touch as many people as we possibly can with the gospel of Jesus Christ, sometimes it becomes very difficult for us to relate to each other in a very healthy way. And so I understand that relationships are hard. I understand that communicating is hard. There's more to communication than just saying words. Amen? Amen. It's a much, much more. Trust me. Men who are married, you understand that, right? <laughs> I got a hearty amen back there. But, but it's, it's the same in just about any relational dynamic. Ephesians 4, 3 says that we are to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Endeavor means that you got to work at it. You got to work hard at relationships. Sometimes you're going to be offended. Sometimes people are going to step on your toes. Sometimes people are going to say things to you that you don't like. Sometimes you're going to find yourself in situations where there are some people you don't even want to be around. And the easiest thing to do oftentimes is to say that I'm done with it. I don't want to have anything to do with them. It's kind of like people that get offended at the church. You know, how many know the church people will offend you? I'm just speaking the truth in love. I've been doing church for a long time. That's why I can say that. You will get offended. And you know, you need to understand this, that relationships are going to be hard. And I, 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 mark, I laugh at people because, you know, people get offended sometimes and they say, well, well I'm just going to leave this one and I'm going to go to another place. Only the problem is you got people over there too. And they're messed up over there just like they're messed up over here. And we're just believing by faith that somehow God's going to fix all of us and we're going to make this thing work. 
And we cannot do it without the help of the Holy Ghost. So relating well as a church and as a people is so important. But there are some strategic things that we must understand. How many of you believe that, uh, understand that the Bible, the word of God has answers to every issue that confront us? I believe the, the Bible have, I mean, you know, if, if we come to a place and I'll walk with God, that in every challenge that we have, that we say, you know what, let's explore the word and see how God says we ought to resolve this problem. How many know that we would relate much better with each other? And so I understand relationships are hard. I understand that the people are hard. But, but we also must understand that because of the complexity of who we are, our own shortcomings, all of us got shortcomings, that how many know that we need to be careful how we talk to each other? We need to be careful how we relate to each other. The Bible says in Proverbs 18.21, you can write it down, the life and death is in the power of the tongue. Mm. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. I don't know about you, but that makes me just a little bit apprehensive. Because what it suggests is that you can speak life over some things and you can speak death. There have been many people who have been emotionally ripped, emotionally hurt and harmed, and they're adults today. And if you, if you can dig through the weeds, what you would discover is that somebody says something that hurt them and they never forgot it. Your words are very, very powerful. And as my wife always says, it's not just in what you say, it's how you say it. So this is, a, this is a complex issue. And so we need to be people to understand the capacity of who God made us to be that within my mouth I have the capacity to change life or ruin it. Not in the sense that we are like creator God, but in the sense that we come into alignment with him and we come into alignment with God, we position ourselves for God to release his power through us. So then what we need to do is we need to be, pe we need to be people that speak life. If your relationship is all jacked up, you need to speak life over it. If your kids are messed up, come on, you need to speak life over it. If things are not working right on the job, you need to speak life over it. You need to get away from negativity. And I'm not talking positive confession. I'm talking word confession. That we need to confess and understand that, that what I say, how I many know that what you say can affect what you do? If you're negative in what you say, trust me, not only would it affect you, but it has the potential to affect everybody else. And everything about Jesus was always on the up. Think about it. Every, you know, every, everything about Jesus, he was always on the up. When he preached a sermon on the mount, the people, after he got done with that sermon, the people mouth, they were like, oh, I never heard anybody speak like this. He constantly lifted people with his words. He always lifted and he sought to encourage and to build up people. That's all he ever did. And if we're made in this image, 
How many know, particularly if you have been washed in his blood, we are to articulate and to be like our daddy. We are to be like our daddy and understand that, that every chance I get, I'm going to speak life. I'm going to speak life and not death. I'm going to speak words of encouragement. I am going to be an encourager. You know, a lot of people come into the house of God, you know, and it's good. We all come and we all want to be encouraged. Amen. Everybody want to be encouraged. But you know what? Do you ever walk in and say today, I'm going to just be an encouragement to somebody else. I want this place to be as such. Watch this. That everywhere you turn around, just encouragement. I mean, consistent. I mean, people are attracted to that. As it relates to our ability to reach people, let me tell you, you bring people into an atmosphere where they're being built up. It's something that God wired us that way. God made us to be, watch this, some of you might be shocked, but God made you to be happy. Amen. Did you know that? God designed you to be happy. Jesus, I give you joy. He wants you to have joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You are supposed to be a happy person. You are supposed to be enthusiastic. That's the way God designed you. He designed you to enjoy. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it what? More abundantly, more fulfilling. So we understand that Jesus wants me to have a great life. Doesn't mean that great life means that everything go my way. It just means that in spite of it all, I know I win and I know that God is with me. And because I know that ultimately I win, I can rejoice in every situation. That's how we live our lives. So how do we come to a place where we understand the power of our tongue? How do we come to a place where we figure out ways not to offend one another? How do we come to a place that we figure out how to be people that constantly lift each other up? It just doesn't happen overnight. You know that, right? Some of us was born in some negativity. If he was born in my home, my, my grand, my, you know, I, my family on my mother's side, and it was terrible. It was, I mean, I don't even know how else to say it. My mother, she was here today. She was standing here. She would tell you it was terrible. Some of the things that my dad said to all 22, of, and I said 22, she gave birth to 22 kids, my grandmother. Bless her heart. Amen. Talking about big. <laughs> That's big. I mean, I think they surpassed Sarah and Abraham. Hallelujah. That's big. But the thing about it is that 95% of them today are messed up because of how their father spoke to them. And you know the old adage that hurt people hurt people? So then you come into the kingdom, you got to learn how to, you got to learn how to talk all over again. You got to learn how to communicate. You got to get rid of some stuff. So how do we relate well? That's what we're talking about this morning. We want to be a people that relate well. And it's more difficult when I look out there, when I see, I can tell you there are stories. I mean, I'm looking at you there. I mean, the stories are all different. How on God's green earth do we come to a place? where we can relate well with each other and get along in spite of our differences, in spite of our flavor, in spite of our taste. How do we do that? Amen. So we want to look into the word 
of the Lord this morning. And I think the way we start by doing that is we look at what James said. Let's just start there. James talked about that a perfect man, he said, for in verse number two, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. See, perfect man means mature. So mature Christians, watch this, they figure out a way to communicate well. Amen? Now watch this. He talks about that a little member with great power. He talks about our tongue. In verse number five, he said, even so the tongue is a little member and it boasts great things. See how great a force a little fire kindle. Look at verse six. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. How many know, how many of you have seen companies, institutions destroyed because of what somebody say? I want you to understand the power of your tongue. You can say a little something and before you know it, it can catch fire and it can destroy relationships, families, home. You know, if you work out, you, you got, most of you got a job. Everybody got a job, I hope. You know, make sure that you're not a person that go and, and, and speak negative and plant seeds of unrighteousness. That ought not be named among the people of God. So he says our, our tongue has the capacity to destroy everything around us. You can say something that it can just, it can destroy the whole, the move of God. It can destroy your family. Marriages today are under siege. Many marriages have been destroyed because of what somebody said or didn't say. So it's a world of iniquity. This tongue is a very, very powerful thing. I want you to get the picture because at the end of this message, I want you to be very, very uh, I don't want you to be scared, but I want you to think about what you say before you say it. How do you know that wise people, you don't just open your mouth and talk. You, you, you better take time and think before you open your mouth. How many of your parents ever told you that? Before you say something, you know, you need to think about what you're saying. The, the Bible says in Proverbs, only a foolish man will utter all his mind. You can't tell everybody everything is on your brain. Because, I mean, you know, your brain is all messed up. Some of your brain right now, you got stuff running through there, all kind of crazy stuff running up in your head. And you just can't utter what's in there. Amen? So we got to get a hold of this thing. And he says, he talks about how the, the tongue no one can tame. Now, I, I want to say this. Because James is painting a picture here about your tongue because he wants you to get it. It's amazing. As a, as a detective, I've been in a detective for, I don't know, 13 years. And everybody who commits a crime and they get charged by the police they all know that, you know, the first thing they say, well, I ain't going to talk. Because, you know, and, and we're banking on the fact that when I get them in that interview room and I sit them down, my attitude is, I'm going to get you to talk. And they say, I ain't going to talk. Man, don't snitch on me. Don't snitch. And they, I mean, I've, I've been taking them away in the police car. And they roll down the window. Don't snitch. And, ain't going to do it, brother. Get in there, man. And all of a sudden... You, you, you sit down in any room, interview room with me, and within 10 to 15 minutes, I got them telling me the whole story. And at the end of it, they're like, man, how do, why did I end up doing that? It's because your tongue, you can't tame it. You can't help yourself. That tongue is powerful. You give it an inch, it takes a mile. How many know that, that a lot of times, if you, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, God will speak to you. I mean, amen? God will tell you sometimes, don't you say nothing. 
And some, sometimes we're stubborn. We say a little something. You know, right before that big argument for, with our spouse, the Holy Spirit would whisper, like, don't say it, don't say it. And, and you, you may not say what you were thinking, but you say something close to what you were thinking. And before you know it, it's all out of whack. And you're sitting by there, I shouldn't have said that. Pastor, because about to come help me. I mean, you don't want to, you got to, listen, you got to give attention to this thing. This thing is loaded and dangerous. The Bible says that it's full of evil and deadly poison. You mean really that little thing in here got all that? Isn't it no wonder, man, the Lord tell us that we need to quiet down. How many know that we talk too much? I do too. I'm saying that all of we talk too much. And a lot of people get hurt or get misguided or get misled. Relationships get, get, get destroyed because we can't keep our mouth shut. I believe if we learn to shut up more, God is speaking. We hear God a lot better. Sometimes God can't, God, we can't hear God because we're we over talking him. God is trying to speak, but we're talking too much. He can't get nothing in. God can't get a word in. And then what happens is we go and we mess people up. We mess up our situation because our tongue is unruly. See, y'all y'all getting a picture of how bad your tongue is? Amen. I hope you think about it. Because we want to be a church that relate well, but you got to understand what that thing you got in your mouth is powerful. It's, it's small, but you got to know that thing you got in your mouth. I mean, how many of you have did, said something you thought, man, you said it, and before you can even fully get it out of your mouth, you're trying to get it back. It's like in slow motion. And you know, once you said it, it's gone. Blessing and cursing. Let's talk about that. I mean, if you're a Christian, you ain't supposed to be cursing. I said, if you're a Christian, you ain't supposed to be cursing. Bible says blessing and cursing ain't supposed to come out of the mouth of God's people. Well, blessing do, but not cursing. He says, look, he says, if we'll, we'll, we'll curse somebody out on 95, and we'll come right into the house of God and say, Lord, I love you, and I worship you. You are worthy of my praise. Get that out of my face. We do it, don't we? Because what we really think is that somehow it's almost like we don't get it that God kind of sees us everywhere. I mean, there's no hide and seek with God. You can't just, well, I'm going to wait till I leave and I'm going to do what I do. You can't do what you do. Whatever you do, God see what you do here, under the cover, in the car, on 95. You can come in here and be as spiritual as you want to be. Right. <laughs> he says, he talks about, now watch this. I don't know if you ever saw this, but God showed me this yesterday as I was meditating. James make a statement. He says that, that we, we bless God, but then we curse man who was made in the image of God. So what he's saying there, see, when, it's one thing for me to say, for an example, that, uh, Larry, um, I, I, need to, I need to talk to you about something that we need to deal with. But it's a whole other thing for me to start cursing Larry. You follow what I'm saying? Because now I've gone beyond whatever it was I need to talk to him about, and now I'm, 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 I'm talking about his personhood. 
I'm talking about him as a, as a person in who God, how many know God made us? And if you're not careful, what James is saying is that you curse men, in essence, you are cursing God. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. See, every time, see if, if you, if you and kids do this all the time. If any kids in the house, we got one. She probably don't get this. But you know, kids do this all the time. Watch this. They'll make fun of people who got big nose, big lips. Make fun. How many know that when you make fun of somebody, you curse? It's like you're saying, God, you made a mistake. God, what are you doing? God, you shouldn't have did that. Well, you bless God, but we curse men who was made in his image. So to curse somebody is something that is wrong. It's wrong to curse people in that way. We're to be a blessing, amen? Even if I got to deal with an issue, how many know you deal with the issue, but I don't need to cuss my brother out. I don't need to curse who he is as a person. I don't need to go there. I just need to say, brother, can we talk about what the offense is? Let's, let's deal with this. But I don't need to be cursing him. Because God, because God, God sees that. And God hears your conversations. He sees your conversations behind closed doors. That's why you got to be careful what you say. See, a lot of people get this in your spirit. It's not just God sees your conversation wherever you are. And God holds you accountable. Some of us, our blessing might be jacked up because we talk too much at home. We talk too much when we're not around the people that we want everybody to think we're all good. And we really ain't all good. Because we go home and we say some horrible things that we wouldn't say to their face. And then we say, Lord, where's the blessing? Where, God, is the blessing? God is saying, what are you talking about? That's the new thing with young people today. What are you talking about? God said, what are you talking about? How can you do, you know, it's just, it's just like, you know, just like Miriam. Y'all remember Miriam when she was talking? Amen. Miriam was, was talking about Moses, the man of God. And, and God eased up on the conversation. God said, oh, well, come up, bring him out. Why did you talk about Moses like that? What's wrong with you? Old girl Miriam was struck with leprosy. Why? Because she had some unwholesome conversation that she shouldn't have been having. And God had, she didn't, they didn't go, it didn't like they called Moses out and just yelled at him. They were behind the door. And they were talking in private. Uh, I ain't getting too many amens now, but that's okay. That's all right. Because all right, we got to deal with this, right? Because this affects our ability to be able to relate well when we're not healthy. See, healthy is not just a, see, I don't want to look, I don't want the look of being healthy. I want to be healthy. Because, you know, eventually, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth what? So whatever is in there is going to come out eventually, even if you try to hide it. Oh, I'm going I'm, I'm to act. No, 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 no. You, it's going to come out of you because Jesus said it. Out of the abundance of the heart, you run your mouth. How do you know you can't hide nothing with God? All right. So look at, uh, run over to Matthew chapter 18 real quick. So how do we deal with, uh, we can't talk about relationship without dealing with conflict. Amen? You know, I said, I said earlier, I said that uh, you're going to offend somebody or somebody's going to offend you. It's part of the course. Matthew chapter number 18, look at verse number 15. When you get there, you can say Amen. 
Now, I like the word because the word, you know, the word of God is really plain. Say you got a brother or sister, somebody offended you. Let's just say for the sake of argument, I need a couple of witnesses. Can I get a couple of witnesses in the house? Can I get, can I get a couple of witnesses? Right, come on up, first lady. Come on up. Come on up, Ashley. Hallelujah. I got a couple of witnesses. All right. Are you ready for this? I'm going to have to make you a bad, bad one this morning. Oh, okay. You can handle it. All right, let's just say, for example, that, that First Lady Peggy, I, I want to say underscore First Lady, holy. She's an example. First Lady Peggy Bailey went to Sister Ashley or Jessica and said to her, hey, um, I, need, I need about uh, you know, uh, 500 bucks, you know, and uh, I promise you I'm going to get it back to you Friday because, you know, I just need to do something, but I'll get it back to you. All right, Friday comes, right? And uh, Jessica goes up to First Lady and says, hey, $500, where's my money? And, and First Lady said, well, look, I'm sorry, you shouldn't have gave it up. Let us walk off. <laughs> now, sister might be, she might be upset about it, right? Because now she, she's been offended because she's basically said, thank you, but I ain't giving you back your money. It's your fault for even giving it to me in the first place. Now we got, we got Jessica here who's hot. Now she got two choices to make, right? I mean, she's at a place she's seething right now because first of all, she's struggling financially herself. So every time she struggles, every time she see the gas prices and she ain't got no money, she quickly starts thinking about First Lady. I mean, quickly, she goes straight to First Lady, she owe me money, she won't give it to me. So then she come to church and she gets hot. I mean, she's sitting there burning up. And she mad, but she gonna go up there and worship God. Man, and then what happens is, watch this, she's not dealt with properly. She could get to a point that she goes and, and, and she says, uh, Sister, Sister Regina. Uh, now, look, mind you, she still haven't went and said anything else. They haven't talked at all. I mean, you know, she's she going to go to Sister Regina and she's going to tell Sister Regina now. And then Sister Regina going to tell Sister April. And, and before you know it, man, we got a big mess on our hands. Because here's, what, here's what, what happened, is that we didn't go see. What, what, what should have happened in a situation like that? Well, yeah, you should, you should have given her money back. <laughs> but the point of it is, is that we owe it to each other that first, before we go and do anything, that we need to sit down together and let's try to reason and work it out without anybody else knowing anything else. That's the... The godly way to do it, right? Look at Matthew 18. Give them a hand. Thank y'all. So I think I, I think I messed this kid up a little bit because what I meant to say was she just ignored her and never, they never said anything. She just decided she ain't going to pay the money back. But y'all know first lady ain't going to be that way because you know pastor going to get her. All right. <laughs> Moreover, look at verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him what? Alone. Ain't that so? Alone. Do you, do you think that happened in most churches? Why not? I 
I told you the word of God is rich. If he hears you, you have gained your brother, or in this case, your sister. Watch this now. But if he will not hear, then take with you two or more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. If he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, then let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Now, that's some strong words, isn't it? Um, so he gives us several things to do when we are offended. Number one, we are to keep the matter private. Keep the matter, matter private. You know, most, when most people get offended, you know, um, you know, people start running their mouths about things. What you need to understand is that when you start dragging other people into your conflict unnecessarily, it's not healthy for the body. It's not even healthy for you. It's not healthy for nobody. He said, go privately, not get on the phone and talk to Sister Betty, Brother John, but go and talk. I use some names that nobody knows, so y'all won't. But go and talk to them privately. Second thing he says that we are to do is then we are to go and ask for help for others. But the attitude is always, watch this, is always with the intent on making it right. Sometimes we are more intent on winning an argument than making it right. Husband and wife, I'm going to help y'all a little bit. <laughs> Sometimes it's not about winning the argument. It's about, you know what? We just need to be healthy. We just need to just let it go and move on. Let's deal with it, but then we got to move on. So we don't want to be people that go and drag other people into the conflict unnecessarily until we first have sit down and say, you know what, let's try to work this thing out. See, a good thing would have been is she goes and she says, and she sits down and she says, hey, you know what, let's, you know what, I'm really struggling. I really need my money. And uh, could you please give it because I can't buy food. I'm struggling, this and that, you know. Then maybe First Lady Peggy might say, you know what, I'm sorry, I'm going to give you the money back. And then guess what? The whole thing is squashed. Nobody else knows, and it's been kept a secret. But hey, what the church do today? We get upset about it, man, and we're going to go tell everybody else. But when you get offended, and I say when, I didn't say if, when you get offended. I want you to hear that. I want you to hear that. Don't, don't miss that. When somebody in the church make you mad. When you get mad in the church with somebody and they, something they did really, really bothers you, here's what we need to get in the habit of doing. I want to talk to you, Brother Larry. Sister, can I talk to you? Can me and you talk? Can we talk alone? Because that's what the scripture says, right? And then if we can't work it out, then we bring other people into it. But even then, we do it in a way that will promote health. We do it in a way that, that, that we want to get healing and we want to see people reconcile. So we ain't still, we're not going to blast it, but we're going to work to fix it. Amen? Amen. This, this is how we need to be uh, in the church. Now, turn with me real quick to James chapter number one. How many know we're not right with our brother, we're not right with God? Do y'all know that? First John 4, 20 says, if you ain't right with me, you ain't right with God. Isn't it funny how God does that? It's like God, like, put us on lockdown. 
He said, I'm going to make you. You got to love your brother. You got to love your sister. Don't even come try to worship me. Keep it. Don't come. If you can't get it right with them, don't even come talking to me. I don't want to hear it. Put your hands down. Get up off your knees, and you need to go and fix that issue. Well, God, I can love you. I don't need them. Oh, God, said, that ain't the way God sees it. <laughs> I know some of you didn't want to hear that. Like, you mean, really, I got to try to fix that? Yeah. If you're not right with your brother. Now, listen, you're not responsible for how other people respond to you. You are responsible for you. See, I can't make people do what they're supposed to do, but here's what I can do. I can do what I'm supposed to do. I'm not going to walk in unforgiveness, and I'm not going to walk in a way that I'm harboring any bitterness in my own heart. See? We don't want to be that kind of people. Amen? Amen. So, watch this. Here's, here's, some, here's some, uh, some quick keys. Two keys I want to, to give you to help you to become a good communicator. Number one, in James 19.20, uh, I'm sorry, did I say John? I say, I'm good. I did, I'm at James. I'm at John, so I need to go to James. Amen? James 1, verses 19 through 20. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to what? And slow to what? All right? So that's the key. Did you ever notice that people who are really, really good are good communicators, that they're very good listeners? You ever notice that? There's a correlation. Think about people that you know of that are very, very good at communicating. What you will also discover is that they are very good at listening. How many know we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak? And what, what, what are we listening for? Well, we want to understand what they're saying. We want to understand that, you know, they say that, in, in police terms, they said that most of your communication is nonverbal communication. Like my wife used to say to me back in the day, honey, can I go golf? Yeah, you can go. She used to do that back when I had an issue. Remember I had an issue with golf? And my wife used to get upset. Because, you know, you golf, you spend four or five hours. And I would, tell, I would say to my wife, say, I said, Why, honey, you know, I want to go golf. And she was telling me what I want to hear. But then I come home, all the food put away, no food in the microwave. Well, I'm just bringing it, I'm bringing it to you. It's cold. Everybody, all the lights are off at the house. You know, nobody, every door is locked. I got to knock on the bedroom door. Oh, come on. <laughs> see, see, we got to learn how to listen. Look at the neighbor and say, listen. It's not just what they say. You gotta, you, we got to be quick. See, if we, if we specialize in listening, we'll do a whole lot better with our relationships. I, I tell you a story. When, uh, when I went to Grace Covenant Church some years ago, and we came out of a bad situation. Pastor Brett sat on the other side of the desk. Me and my wife had decided we wanted to join the church. And, uh, but I said, I'll come out of this. You know, when you come out of a bad situation, you don't want to join too quick because you want to make sure that you don't get hurt again, right? So, um, you know, we're, we're wounded. I mean, I'm, I'm literally licking wounds. I mean, I'm dripping blood. You know, I've been just, you know, we just had a rough time those years. and Not all bad, but, you know, it was rough. And so I'm sitting there, and Pastor Brett, and, uh, and uh, you know, I sit across, I'll never forget, I'm sitting across the desk, and, and, and I said, well, before I join, I need to talk to him. 
I, I, want to, I, want him to, I want him to understand me, and I just want to talk to him and just kind of feel him out, and I want him to understand what I went through. You know, I, I, I've gone through some things. I really want him to kind of understand. And so, so I went in there, and I just started just talking. And I don't even know what I said. I probably was kind of rambling, but, you know, I was just, you know, I was just hurt, and I just really, you know, he looked at me and said, now, here's the thing. I have been in a situation where my pastor had a, a terrible problem with insecurity. At the, I mean, it was brutal to the point that he was afraid that anybody do anything because he was afraid somebody was going to take his, you know, whatever that means. But, and I remember, and Pastor Brett just sit there, he listened to me, and he said to me, he says, uh, Gary, he says, uh, I believe in you. That's all he said. And let me tell you what, I just, like, my eyes, my, my eyes got tear on sitting there, head dropped. And he didn't say much else, he just said, I believe in you, because what he interpreted and what he heard was that I was following a pastor who did not believe in him. And he said, I believe in you. I ain't had to say nothing. I walked out there with, tea, with t- paper towels snotting all over the place, and, <laughs> you know, because he listened to me. He heard what I was going. He heard, you know, and there's a lot of things that, that, that we learn that in our relationship that everything ain't what it appears to be on the outside. Come on, somebody. It's not always what it appears to be. But if we really try to sit down and try to listen to people, why did they do that? Well, every now and then we have a conversation and talk. You might find out why they did that. And maybe the reason why you think they did it really wasn't the reason that they did it. But we never get to that point. We harbor. We hold grudges. And then we say things like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just not going to say nothing. And I'm not going to talk. I'm just going to make them think I'm okay. And we go through all of that, but never really trying to understand that, that maybe it's amazing when you talk to people, the things you find out about people. It's like you talk to them and you realize, you know what? I know why they did that, and I, I, I love them. I'm going to help them. I'm going to be a blessing to them. How many know that's the kind of people we need to be? Right. Instead of being people that are quick to say that somebody did something because they are whatever, whatever. But we need to learn to listen, so we need to be quick to, to listen. Then the second point we need to do is we need to make sure to guard our hearts. Amen? You can't speak well if your heart ain't right. <laughs> I said you can't speak well if your heart is not right. Amen. If you're harboring unpure, evil, bad thoughts, if you're looking at a person smiling at them but driving down the road saying, I can't wait to kill them, how many know that you ain't going to be speaking well too long? You can't keep that in. Out of the abundance of the heart, Luke 6, the mouth speaks. So you say, well, I want to speak well, and I want to speak. Then you got to change the way you think. How do I think? What do I think about? What do I think about? See, if I got a problem with April, then I know how to go tell April I got a problem. I ain't going to be sitting around every time I see April, I'm ducking and hiding, and I'm, like, looking at her like I ain't got anything. No, I'm going to go to say, let's talk. Can we talk? I mean, I just walk right up to you. And I, I think you, some of you have seen me do that. I mean, if I got a problem, I just walk right up. Everything all right? And I'm going to give you a chance to tell me. I ain't going to try to beat it out of you. I'm going to ask you. Now, if somebody asks you, are you all right? Come on. Amen. You better tell them the truth. And people are like, uh, all right, everything all right? And you mad as all get up. And you driving out, leaving the church with your sanctified self, just told a lie. <laughs> and you know you mad. You know you're offended. You know you mess up. And then what do we do? We harbor it. We keep it. We walk around with it sometimes for days and for months. 
as if God is saying, good job, Sister Peggy, hold that grudge. Good job. Way, way to keep that bitterness. Good. That's my daughter. That's the way you walk with me. Go for it, Sister Peggy. That's what I want you to do, daughter. Be mad. Be bitter, daughter. Be angry. Don't say nothing to him. Let him know how you feel by just silence. Walk around with all that bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. Do you think God is, like, giving us a reward for walking around like that way? I mean, really? But we act like it, don't we? Like we're offending, so like we're hurting somebody else. I, I'll fix them. I ain't going to say nothing. I ain't going to say nothing to them. I'm just going to walk, and I'm going to do what I got to do and just do my thing. Like, like, what do you think God is saying to that? Really? Well, I mean, really? You ever, you ever think about it? What, what, how does, I mean, God got to sit back and laugh at us sometimes. Like, these kids, I don't know how God put up with us. We are, we are about crazy, I'm telling you. We ain't right. I don't know how God does it. Y'all just be glad, better be glad I ain't God. Because I've been messing with all y'all up. Boom! <laughs> I mean, that's how we would do. Thank God we ain't God, right? Thank God we ain't, because we ought to we'll mess people up. I mean, we've got a lot of people. You want to act right? Boom! Be gone. Poof. They was and they was not, for God took them. All right. So... <laughs> Ephesians 4.29, we're closing. Ephesians 4.29, watch this. Um, let no corrupt community word, I'm sorry, no, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. All right? So here's what we need to do. We're going to relate well. We need to ask ourselves, that before I'm going to say what I'm thinking about saying, is it going to build up and edify? Is what I'm going to say, is it going to help my sister? Is it going to help my brother? How many people did you encourage this morning when you came? I just want you, I want you to answer. I just want you to think about it. Did you go up to anybody and tell them thank you? Did you walk up to anybody this morning and say, you know what, you look good today? Did you walk up to somebody and say, you know what, I see you've been struggling, and, and I want you to know that, that uh, brothers, one sister got, you got edified, you went in at the Bible study the other day. Brother edified you, I don't know, make sure you get it at word. And edified you, doesn't you won't even do I know you might have felt it in the spirit. But 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 he just he just had a word to how God was gonna bless her, just something God, you know, God just put on his heart. That we need to be that way. When we see somebody struggling, you know what? You're gonna make it. You're gonna make it. I'm gonna pray with you. We're gonna get through it. Listen, your son is gonna be fine, your daughter's gonna be fine. You're gonna make it through, you're gonna get healed, the Lord's gonna be with you. Don't have to worry about it. Look, let's pray together. We're in this thing together, we're gonna make it. Look at the neighbor and say, we can make it. I mean, no, Brother Larry need to be encouraged every now and then. Amen. Go over there and encourage him. Hey, brother, your arm's going to get moving again. We're believing it in Jesus' name. Amen. We don't have to settle as the children of God. Come on, we need to be fighters. To, look, I'm going to die in faith. I want, look, I ain't giving up. I ain't quitting just because, look, I know that as long as God is on the throne and he ain't ever going to leave last time I checked, that, that, you know what, there's always a chance. I mean, we serve a God of resurrection power. Come on. He can resurrect dead things and stuff that are messed up. God, God at any moment, God can say, bam, and it's done. He can fix stuff that's broken just like that. That's why you always got to walk with your head up. 
See, people of God that walk in faith, they walk with their head up. Even though they may be going through it, they walk with their head up because you know what? You serve a God. You're, you're a king's kid. Right. You're royalty. That's good. That's right. Glory to God. Amen. You are royal. Look at the name and say, you're royalty. royalty. He called you a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God said you're peculiar, and you are peculiar. <laughs> but he said, <laughs> you are peculiar people. And I think he meant that in a lot of ways. But, but we're unique. We're uniquely his. And nothing can, can take away his love from us. And so, you know what? I just live, and you got to live in a hope, and you got to believe that God can do exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask or think until you die. You keep preaching it. You keep living it. You keep reaching for it. You never quit. You never doubt. You keep going. You keep believing. You keep pressing. You keep crying out to God. You never quit. Do you hear me? People of faith don't quit. They stay in the fight and they keep fighting. Read Hebrews Hebrew chapter 11 in the hall of faith. Look what they went through. Some of those guys had their heads chopped off. But they, when they, before they chopped their head off, they were confessing that Jesus is Lord, that God is going to bring me out. He is faithful. He's Jehovah Jireh. You know why? Because you can't, you can't win over me. The devil can't win over you. Because we are eternal. That's why you ought to be excited and ecstatic. Lastly, we're going to close with this verse. Matthew chapter 12, 29, 36, I'm sorry. I didn't get to everything I wanted to get to today, but that's okay. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. You got that verse? I want to leave you with this verse right here. It says, but I say to you that for every idle word, everybody say idle. idle. Now, how many know God's word is real? His word is true. Now, I want you to think about this before you open your mouth and say anything. He says, I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. God's going to hold us accountable for how we talk, how we communicate. And so we need to relate well. And we got to work at these relationships. And, and I want to give everybody here, not today, this Sunday is Communion Sunday. So I want to give you an opportunity. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. This is perfect before we do communion that we do this. If you have an offense with anybody in this church, particularly, then you need to take a moment and get it right before we do communion. I don't care what it is. If the Holy Spirit convicts you, don't try to act like he ain't talking to you. You know he's talking to you. Don't, let's be honest. I mean, this is what church is about. Church ain't about trying to be cute and trying to make everybody think we're right. We're broken. That's the reality of it. Many of us, we're broken. If you're harboring some unforgiveness, if your relationships are jacked up right now, whether they're in this church or outside of this church, you need to take a moment and ask God to first to heal you. Ask him to heal you. Ask him to touch you this morning if you're harboring unforgiveness this morning this is a moment right now I want you to take and examine your hearts before the Lord before we take communion this morning examine your hearts this morning Some of you, the Lord is talking to you about somebody who's not here. Then you need to make that right too, at least on your end.
So you confess right now. Confess to God that you're going to obey his word. You hear his voice. And you're going to go and make it right. You're not going to hold it no longer. We're going to be a healthy people. We got to be honest with God and be honest with one another. Just take a moment and examine your hearts. And then we have you serve communion. We have the ushers to come and assist with that. Take a moment, examine your hearts. stand to our feet and I think what we'll do we have this side over here first um, yes one of the ushers here can remove the top and then we have this side go first and serve yourselves and go back to yourself your seat and then we'll take it together Receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for your body that was bruised. And Father, we confess right now, Lord, Father, we've done anything at all Father God relationally that is not right we just we confess it right now and Lord we believe that we're free Father we're going to take this wafer symbolic as your body 
that was bruised for us. Father God, to demonstrate the fact, Lord, that that we are healed and we are walking in the light of the truth of the gospel. We thank you and we praise you. Let us eat together. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Father, we thank you for your blood. Lord, that blood that cleanses us of all of our sins. Father, I pray, Lord God, that if anyone is sick this morning in their body, that when they take this this juice, Lord, that is symbolic of your blood and drink it, that, Lord, the healing power will flow. Emotional pain will be healed this morning. Damaged relationships will be made right in Jesus' name. That our marriages will be restored, will be made well, will be made healthy in Jesus' name. As we do this, Father, not because of our own strength, but because of your great and mighty power that transcends all of our sins, all of our shortcomings, all of our doubts, and all of our unbelief. We take this, Lord, because we know there's power in your blood. And we receive it today. Shall we drink together? In Jesus' name. Those to your right and to your left, some of you. Amen, amen, amen. 